Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, this morning. Luke, chapter 2. Luke's Gospel gives to us the wonder of the Incarnation. It is Matthew and Luke in the Gospels that tell us about the wonder of Messiah coming made in flesh. And it is indeed the Incarnation that gives to us the birth of Jesus Christ. In Luke's Gospel, we study how Mary and Joseph made that trip. A trip to Bethlehem because of a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, somebody said that they were refugees. No, they were residents. And they made that trip because of a government mandate. Maybe we ought to get away with government mandates, but I'm so glad they came. And that night, Jesus was born, and the angels declared to the shepherds on the hillside, the wonder of the Savior, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to all men. And the shepherds went and discovered exactly what the angels had told them. Luke's gospel then tells us how Mary and Joseph were under the Old Testament law. And how Jesus was circumcised after eight days and given the name Jesus. 32 days later, 48 days after the birth, Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem to make sacrifice as the law required. And while they were there, they met Simeon. Simeon, who is identified as one who is devout and righteous, full of the Holy Spirit. And Simeon, when he saw the baby boy, lifted it up and said, This indeed is going to be a light to the Gentiles. And then told Mary how this babe would break her heart. And how the sword would pierce her very soul. Beginning with verse 36, we are introduced to a very special lady. I think it interesting as you read the accounts of the birth of Jesus, how ladies are included. Remember, Elizabeth was included. And now we have a very special lady whose name is Anna. And in the three verses that are identified here, Four English sentences. God lays out the wonder of his work in this lady's life. And this morning we want to look at truths that we can live from our lives as we follow the example of Anna. I want to take the time to read these three verses this morning. I'll begin with verse 36 and read down through verse 38. And as we read together, I want you to think about how God uses very special people for very special things and to give us examples about how he can work in our lives, too. Luke chapter 2, verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in age, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. 
And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him of all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Herbert Lockyer said, this is the woman who became the first missionary. Identifying Jesus as the redemption of Israel. But let's look at this text and see what we can pull as we understand something about Anna. The first thing that we look at is her family. And we discover that Anna was a prophetess. Now a prophetess was a female prophet. That may be rather obvious to you. But the word prophet comes from the Greek that means spokesperson, spokesman. A prophet in the Bible is a person who proclaims God's word and therefore speaks for God. A spokesman for God. A prophetess then is a spokeswoman for God. And the faithful prophet or prophetess was one who, regardless of whether he or she was listened to, spoke everything that God told them to speak. Now, that's pretty good practice, isn't it? You and I ought to speak everything that God tells us to speak. And we ought to be willing to proclaim the wonder of God in our lives. Now, sometimes we struggle in our culture of sharing what God has done in our lives. But it really is a significant part of our lives, isn't it? Tomorrow, and I don't know when tomorrow, but I know sometime tomorrow, I'm going to come in contact with someone and they're going to say, Tom, how was your weekend? Now, you and I know that Sunday is the first day of the week and Saturday is the Sabbath, and, but I know what they're asking. And I'm going to respond this way. It was great. I got to be in church. We can all respond that way, right? And then I'm going to share with them how great it was to be in church. So tomorrow, and it will happen to you, someone's going to say to you, how was your weekend? Just tell them what God did in your life. And that's exactly what a prophetess did. Now, there are six other prophetesses mentioned in the Scripture. Miriam, in Exodus chapter 15, was identified as a prophetess. And she sang the wonderful song of God's redemption as God delivered his people from Egypt. Deborah is identified as a prophetess. She judged Israel. You remember Deborah and Barak. As God used them. Isaiah's wife. And we don't know much about Isaiah's wife other than that she conceived a son with Isaiah and she's identified as a prophetess. That's all we know. Hadula was the life of Shalom. Now, how many of you have never heard of Hadula? The rest of you aren't telling the truth. I mean, this, this is an obscure woman but identified as a prophet of God. And she, when Helkiah found the book of the law in 2 Kings chapter 22, proclaims the wonder of God's work in her life. Now the last two that are identified as prophetess weren't real good people. In Revelation, church of Thyatira, 
There's one called Jezebel who identifies herself as a prophetess. And the other one was Noadiah who tried to make Nehemiah afraid so that he would not fulfill God's word. But I say all of that to just remind us that God has used women to make a difference for him, for his honor and for his glory. So Anna is identified as a spokesperson of God, and we'll see what she spoke in just a little bit. We also have her name, Anna, Old Testament name, Hannah, which means grace or favor. And in this culture, names meant something. And I think as we see Anna's ministry, we see God's grace in her life. God giving to her something that she didn't deserve. The wonder of identifying the Messiah. And God's favor upon her as she ministered. The daughter of Penel meaning the face of God. Do you remember when Jacob wrestled with God? When he wrestled with God, his hip went out of joint. And I believe that Jacob walked with a limp the rest of his life. And there may have been times when somebody said, Jacob, why are you walking with a limp? And I think Jacob responded this way, I met with God. The place that Jacob met with God, Jacob named Penel, which identifies, wrestled with God, I saw the face of God. Now, are you putting all this together? Anna, a prophetess, spokesperson of God, grace and highly favored by God, daughter of Penel, the face of God, tribe of Asher. Now, the tribe of Asher was one of the ten lost tribes. In 722 B.C., Assyria comes in and takes the northern kingdom, Israel, the ten tribes, into oblivion, and you never hear them again. Well, it's neat that God brings one of those tribes back here in the New Testament. You know, God never forgets. There's a period after that. And God remembered his people. Think about that. No matter where you find yourself today, God knows where you are. And you may think you're a lost tribe because the enemy has come in and taken you captive. God never forgets. And the tribe of Asher is identified here as one of those lost tribes. I think it interesting that this tribe was known for something. History tells us this this tribe was celebrated in tradition for the beauty of its women and their fitness to be wedded to high priests and kings. Maybe that was Anna, I don't know. But that was Anna's family. And that's identified in the first English sentence that we have in our Bibles. The second English sentence She was advanced in years. Now, as I thought through this, I wanted to call this Anna's fate. 
because it identifies a, a troubling time in, in Anna's life. But the more I thought about it, this wasn't her fate. Success in life is not not having problems. We all got them. Success in life is biblically handling the problems that you have. And I don't know where God has placed you. I don't know the challenges that you have. I don't know the circumstances that you're living under. But I can tell you this right now. You don't have to be a victim. You can be a victor. Because of God working in your life. And God hasn't forgotten about you. And whatever your past is, and it may be unimaginable as far as difficulty is concerned. Whatever your past is, that does not have to be your future. Because as you and I have a heart for God, God begins to work from the inside out. And he changes all that external stuff. And he helps us understand that his grace is sufficient, that his mercy is everlasting, and that there is nothing that will ever separate us from his love, and that makes everything okay. So I don't want to look at her fate. I just want to look at the facts of her life. This, this is where she was. And as Luke begins to identify Anna, we first discover that she was old. Now, I didn't say that. God did. And did you notice the kind way that God said it? She was advanced in years. I hope when somebody looks at me someday, they look at me and say, you're just advanced in years. There's nothing wrong with being advanced in years. It's okay. And I think we ought to just praise God for every day that he gives us. Because that is indeed a gift from God. Now Luke begins to unpack her years a little bit. He says, she'd lived with her husband from seven year, for seven years from when she was a virgin. Now, that tells me something about Anna's moral purity. She got married and she was morally pure. And God blessed her with a married life for seven years. If you look at Scripture, seven is the number of completion. Right? Seven days of creation. Now, I'm sure when Anna's husband passed away, she didn't think her life was complete. I'm sure she thought, it's all over now. But she lived with her husband for seven years, and then she was widowed. Now, Scripture really doesn't tell us. But we can surmise that she was widowed at a very young age. Girls, women in this culture were married sometime between the age of 12 and 15. So if she was married at 12, you can do the math as I can. By the time she was 19, she was a widow. 
if she was married at 15, by the time she was 22, she was, she was very, very young. And then the text identifies her as being 84. Now, there's a couple of different ways to read the text. Some read the text that she'd been widowed for 84 years, which means she's really advanced in age, somewhere between 103 and 105. Others identify the text as she was just 85 years old. Not, nevertheless, she'd been widowed for a long, long, long time. And those were the facts of her life. I don't know how much you struggle with the facts of your life. You may have a story similar to Anna. I don't know. You may have a story that you think is worse than Anna's. I don't know. But I do want you to know this. That whatever the facts of your life are, God still knows your name. God knows exactly what you've been through or are going through. And every detail of your life is noticed by a sovereign, holy, almighty God. Because that's who gives to us the wonder of Anna. Those were the facts of her life. Now the next sentence tells us something about her focus. The text says, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Anna spent a lot of time in church. Now, we're not sure from the way this is written whether that was 24-7, 365, or that was just her habit pattern. I tend to think it was her habit pattern. She was there on a regular basis, and she was there all the time, basically, and God honored that in her life. She was always at church. You know, that's a good thing. You and I ought to always be in the place that God's people are. I have a confession to you this morning. And it's only a confession because I'm identified, you already know it. Every Sunday ain't the same. And some Sundays, I get a base hit. And some Sundays, I strike out. Last Sunday, we went home and Connie said to me, that was not your A game. Didn't you, honey? She didn't have to tell me because it wasn't. But you know what? Every once in a while, God shows up. And every once in a while, we understand the glory of God in our presence. 
And every once in a while, we sense him working in our lives. And every once in a while, we worship. We worship with the breath that we have and identify the wonder of our God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss those. And if you don't show up, you just may miss it. Anna showed up. Says she showed up with fasting. She showed up with prayers. And she showed up in the house of God. And she showed up with her worship. And she recognized that her worship was a 24-7 reality in her life, day and night. If your worship is only Sunday morning at 10.50, you're missing it. And I wasn't going to miss it. Because it was God who worked in her life. Don't miss it. You never know when God's going to show up. And this particular day, the last sentence that we have in our text, God showed up. The Messiah was identified in Anna's life. And the Messiah is identified as the redemption of Israel. The redemption of Jerusalem. The redemption of God's people. <laughs> I wouldn't want to miss that. Now there are three words that are used in the New Testament for redemption. One has the idea of a place where slaves are bought and sold. You want to redeem a slave to come work for you, that's where you go. Another one is used where a slave is purchased and they're kept their whole lifetime by one individual. They've been redeemed by one person and they're never sold again. Neither of those two are the words that are used here. The word that's used here has the idea of a slave that is purchased and then set free. Woo! Think about that. Redemption of Jerusalem, redemption of Israel, redemption of God's people. Aren't you thankful that God has redeemed us from the curse of law because the son was made a curse for us? And we've been set free. That ought to bring a smile to some of your faces. Think about it. You and I were slaves to sin. God sent his son to be the savior of the world. To redeem us from the curse of the law. And you and I have found real freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Glory. 
Woohoo! Anna was in the temple one day. Faithfully doing what she always did. Recognizing the wonder of God in her life. And God directs her to this young couple who has a 40-day-old baby. Now, I don't know if Anna heard Simeon make his proclamation. I don't know. But I do know that God identified the Messiah, the Christ child, to Anna. And she recognized that he was the one who could give her freedom. And she made that proclamation. In all the women of the Bible, Herbert Lockyer says this. Through her long pilgrimage, day after day, Anna went to the temple to pray for the coming of Messiah. And although he seemed to tarry, she waited for him, believing that he would come. Then one day, the miracle happened. For as she entered the temple, she heard sound of exaltation and joy proceeding from the inner court. And then, according to Lockyer, she heard from the lips of Simeon, Now let the Lord... Thy servant, depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Can you imagine showing up that day in the outer court of the temple? Lockyer continues, gazing upon the holy child who was none other than the long-looked-for Messiah, Anna too, was ready to depart in peace and join her husband. <laughs> whom she'd not seen for 84 years. Wow. Now, what are the lessons that you and I can learn? May I identify just a few, please? Lesson number one. God rewards faithfulness. Amen? Night and day. Worship, fasting, prayer. God rewards faithfulness. Number two, be faithful because you never know when God's going to show up in your life. Be faithful for you never know when God's going to show up. And when God shows up, I want to be there. How about you? I'm convinced that when my ship comes in, I'll be at the train station. When God shows up, I want to be there. God always meets the needs of those who are faithful. I don't know what your need is today. But I know if you'll be faithful, God will meet your need. Whatever that is. Because God does that. That's kind of God stuff, right? And whatever your need is, God will meet your need if you'll just be faithful to him. No matter where we are in life, we can be faithful. 
senior saint, advanced in years, you can be faithful. Millennials. <laughs> I resemble that remark. I can be faithful. Generation XYZ, I don't know what that is. You can be faithful. Student, teen, you can be faithful. No matter where you are in life, you can be faithful. Now, there are other things we can't be, but we can be faithful. And lastly, faithfulness is a lifelong commitment. Faithfulness is a lifelong commitment. I'm so thankful that God included Anna in the record of the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, aren't you? And in these three short verses, four English sentences, we discover the faithfulness of one that God used to identify the freedom that his son, Jesus Christ, brought to a lost and dying world. The freedom that he brought to you, the freedom that he brought to me. And my response is to love him more and be faithful. That's Christmas, folks. For unto us is born this day the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. Oh, come all ye faithful. Because he is indeed.